sorry, 16, Exodus 16, we start with verses 14. I'm, I'm very proud of the teenagers and the young people.
teenagers or, or you know, young adult um, uh, kids in your house, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I, I'm sure there's people who are sentimental about things or you know, or experiences. I can look back on, on certain things that have happened in the past and enjoy living that experience again. I've had the privilege of being able to do a lot of things uh, so far in my life. And, and the youth group that I grew, in, grew up in was a large youth group. So we, every other year, we traveled and, and took a big trip and, and went different places. And then I sung, I traveled in an ensemble, a singing group for a couple of years. And then, of course, with you know deputation to raise money to start this church. And I've been to all 48 states many times. I've never been to Alaska or Hawaii. So one of these days, I'm going to get all the books of those places. But um, I've been able to climb. Uh, the Grand Canyon and Pike Peak and, and actually twice Pike Peak. A lot of different things that we've been able to do. Good experiences, things you like to look back on, things you've been able to accomplish, you know, running and all of that different kind of stuff. But some experiences I've had I don't want to revisit. Yeah. Maybe you're in that same situation. You know, some things that you you know what, that was probably not the greatest decision. I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah. I wonder how things would be different if I hadn't made that decision or that choice. And so some of those experiences you don't want to revisit. But for the most part, too many people I think live in the past. Right. And the older we get, the easier it is to live in the past. They're living on what transpired yesterday. It seems like the older we get, the more we do. I suppose that's because more and more of our lives are behind us. But Peter Marshall said, never let the past be so dear as to limit the future. That's good advice. If we're walking forward, but looking backward, we're bound to stumble and fall at some during the wilderness journeys of the Israelites, God provided manna or bread for them to eat. Nobody knows exactly what manna looked like. They didn't even know what it was. Right? That's why they call it manna. What is it? Well, we pick that story up in Exodus chapter 16, verse number 14. So when the dew that lay was going up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost in the ground. When the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna. They wist not what it was. Manna literally means, What is it? So, and Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, and a homer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tent. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more, some less. When they did meet it with an homer, he gathered too much. He that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no less. He gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, Let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, and some of them left of it until the morning, and the bread worm stank. And Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. It came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two homers for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he goes on and talks about you know, the Sabbath is holy. Don't do any work. You gather it on the Sabbath day. So get, get two on, on the day before the Sabbath to, to make it last to the next day. But we're supposed to gather just enough. If they gather two days supply, the excess would spoil. It would be inedible. They wouldn't be able to eat that bread, that manna. So as I look at Christianity today, I, I see that most Christians are trying to live on the bread that they gathered yesterday. Many are not aware that that bread is spoiled. So what I want to talk to you about this morning is, is just look at some areas where we, we may be living on yesterday's bread. That didn't work for the Israelites. They couldn't do that. They couldn't gather an extra amount and say, well, this is good enough for today. I got enough I got enough yesterday to last the rest of the week. They couldn't do that. They spoiled. I told them, go out and gather every day. Get new matter every single morning. Areas 
relying on what we did in the past instead of on what God wants to do with us today and tomorrow. So I want to talk to you about this idea this morning, living on yesterday's bread. Living on yesterday's bread. Let's pray and look at a few things again this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning. Do pray for those who are not able to be here. God, I pray that you have to be able to get back in soon. Uh, completely get well and, and be back with us. God, I thank you for uh, allowing us to be here this morning and for what you have for us. I pray that our hearts and our minds will be open to what you have. God, that we might be searching for what we need to change to help make us better Christians for you. I pray that this message would be something that we would be able to use to help make us exactly what you need us to be from this lost and dying world. Thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. I think some ways that we are living on yesterday's bread, first of all, is living on yesterday's blessing. Now, the blessings of God are sufficient for every day. We see that the Bible says his blessings are new every morning, and each of us could stand up and attest to that truth. If I were to open it up to testimony time, you could stand up, and we did this at Thanksgiving to say, this is what God did. This is what God's done. This is what God is doing. There's not a person in here who cannot give a testimonial of the blessings that God has given them in their life. We're so blessed, but we focus on that, especially around Thanksgiving time, but we can talk about the blessings of God any time of the year. I, I try to make, make it a point to do that, because so often, we're thankful at Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving passes, and we don't have to be thankful anymore. We've got to be thankful for God's blessings every single day. Amen. We can still be thankful for the blessings God gave us last year, 10 years ago, right? But we've entered our sixth year as a church. God's been pretty good to us. We've seen God do a lot of things. We've seen a lot of great things done by His hand, including grace and mercy, and things that there's no other way to explain it other than that it was a miracle that God did that for us. Amen. We've all been blessed by those things, but we, we we cannot face year six looking back to those things that we've accomplished and seen God do in the first few years. If we settle down on the past, then we're going to become stagnant. That's exactly what happened with that bread, that man. Well, I'm satisfied with what I got yesterday for today. And God said, no, it's going to rot. It's not good enough. It's going to stagnate. You can't use what you got yesterday. I blessed them and gave them manna. On that day, but you need to go out and get that manna, get new blessings, get new manna today. Yesterday's blessings may have been good, but they're not going to suffice for today. I, when I was in high school, I, I did all kinds of little odd jobs. I mowed grass, I did landscaping, and most of the people that I worked for, uh, was just all different people. I had my own, I, I, don't, I didn't necessarily have my own company, but I had about 10 or 15 different people that I worked for. And I charged them $8 an hour. Back then, that was pretty good money. Wouldn't be very good money today, right? Especially nowadays, everybody wants you know, $15 every 30 minutes, right? And breaks and all this other stuff, right? Minimum wage is going up. $8 an hour doesn't get you very far anymore. Same thing with, you know, when I was in when I was in Bible college and was required to study the Bible, read different books and, you know, read commentaries and put papers together and all of those kind of things. And that was helpful then, but I can't live on that today. I need to get in the Word of God. I need to be praying today. Well, I pray a lot when I was in Bible college. I'll tell you that much. So I guess that's
But Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, the Bible says this, And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. That's a pretty strong statement. I started working for God. I started doing things for God. God was blessing me, and I started looking back at all of those things instead of looking forward. I took my hand off the plow and turned around and looked back, and what a beautiful robe I've made. Right? God said, no man having looked at, looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Yesterday's blessings that aren't going to suffice for tomorrow. God's blessed my family. God's blessed me. God's blessed this church. But those blessings are not going to bring us to the knees of tomorrow. Tomorrow will come and go on its own merit. When I go back home to Indiana, and I don't get to do it as often as I'd like to, but I like to drive by the houses that we used to live in. We didn't have that many houses growing up. In fact, the house that we spent the huge majority, I think probably 25 years of the, of our, of the time growing up, um, well, 25 years now, but they still have the house. My dad sold it, but one of my brothers bought it, so it's still in the family, and still go back and run around, but there's a couple other houses that we lived in. One of them they tore down and turned into a parking lot for a gas station, so that's tell you what kind of house that was, right? But uh, it's nice to go back and then, oh man, we used to do this, and oh, we used to walk down there, and we used to go do that, and you know, we used to go down to the creek and fish all the time, and we used to walk down the Ben Franklin, you remember Ben Franklin? You get penny candy, and it was the greatest thing, you know. You'd go in there with a nickel and get five pieces of candy. It was the greatest thing. No tax, you know. And uh, so going back and walking around and looking at all those things, places I used to play sports and, you know, had jobs and different things. And I like to dream about those days going by. But those days are going by. Right. Can't survive by looking back. Living on yesterday's blessings is only going to bring us disappointment. But I think we rely on our best. By living on yesterday's blessings, but also by living on yesterday's prayers. We could probably all point to a highlight in the past where God answered a certain prayer for us. God did this. I know it was God. God answered that prayer. It was great evidence that He did it. There's no way you could explain it other than that God answered that prayer for me. You look at it, you can just see God's signature on it. But looking back to yesterday's prayers is going to cause you to stumble today. I've been involved in some very serious prayer meetings over the years. I've been, in, I've been in prayer for two or three hours at a time. And those are some sweet times of, of fellowship and prayer with God, personally, but also in groups, when certain things needed to be prayed for. And it's great to be able to do that, and it's great to see what God does out of those prayer meetings. But that was sufficient for then. This is now. And so many people are living on yesterday's prayers. Well, I'll tell you, I remember when we used to get there, and we used to go pray, and we used to do this, and we used to do that. I was great for them, and we saw God do great things, but if we want to see God do great things now, if we want to move forward by faith, as we're talking about this year, then yesterday's prayers are not good enough anymore. We need today's prayers. We need that. We need, uh, you know, we need that. What kind of prayer life do you have? You pray about everything. I'm trying to make it through what prayer life, your prayer life used to be like. What this church needs right now, what this country needs right now, is not people who will pray here and there, but people who are prayer warriors. Are you a prayer warrior? You battle on your knees. That's what we need in this country. Well, I can't do much. I'm getting older. I, you know, I can't do this. You can get on your knees and pray, and you don't even have to be on your knees and pray. You can sit in your chair and pray. You can spend that time with God in prayer. You can be a prayer warrior. You can get a hold of God. You can go to battle on the front that most people never will battle on. And you can see God do great things through other people's lives because of your prayers. Yeah. So 
that you see that happen throughout history happen because several people, and most of the time older people, prayed that God would do something specifically. And they vowed that they were not going to stop praying until God did something in their city. And God many times sent revival. Could you imagine what it would be like to see revival in Henrico County because you decided, I'm getting on my knees and I'm not getting up until God does something. That's what we need. We need prayer warriors, and you can't do that by living on yesterday's prayer. We're going to fight for our spiritual survival individually and collectively. Turn over to Philippians chapter 4. This is another verse about prayer that's very familiar to you. You can't make it through by what your prayer life used to be like. You have to make it through what your prayer life is right now. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Be careful. Be anxious for nothing. Be worried about nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Do you make everything a matter of prayer? Somebody says, hey, I need to ask you about this. First thing in your mind ought to be, God, I need wisdom. You don't have to go on your knees and bow your head and fold your hands and all this stuff and pray it out loud asking God for wisdom. But your conversation with God ought never to stop. When the Bible says, pray without ceasing, that's what he's talking about. You have no problem having a conversation with a friend, especially if somebody's sitting in the car with you or you're talking to them on the phone. You don't have a conversation with them, right? But then it comes to God, and oh, he's just this man up in the sky. He's out there somewhere, and I guess he's listening, but our conversation with God ought to never end. You have a specific time where you're down on your knees and having your prayer time, and that's great. But you get up from your prayer time, and that conversation ought to continue. Amen. God wants to hear from you. Amen. God wants to have that fellowship with you, and you ought to want to have that fellowship with Him. You talk to yourself all the time, right? You know people out loud. Most people just do it in their heads. Why don't you talk to God the same way? That's how He wants to talk to us. That's how He does talk to us. Talking with God should be as natural as talking to yourself. Right? You can't live on yesterday's prayer. Number three, turn over to Mark chapter 16. You can't live on yesterday's witness. We're commanded to go in to all the world and be a witness for Jesus Christ. Right? He does say go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. So I'm not saying that he doesn't tell us to go out and try to bring people in. But the Bible is filled, the New Testament is filled with commands for us to go be a witness. Filled with examples of people who are not saying, hey, come with me to the synagogue. Hey, come with me to church. There were it's filled with examples of men and women who are going out and saying, Do you know Jesus Christ? Silver and gold have I not, but such as I have you I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk, right? Giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Showing them how they can come to know him as their Savior. That's what, they're, that's what they did, and that's what our job is. And we're commanded very plainly in Mark chapter 16, verse 16. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every Creature. That's a continual command. It doesn't have an expiration date. It doesn't have a, a time limit or a term of service. It's a continual command. It's not like a, a four-year commitment to a military service, right? Oh, got that done. Now I can go on living with the rest of my life. Or, you know, the Mormons, they do a two-year uh, mission. Got that done. All right, now I can move on with the rest of my life. No, that ought to be the focus of our life. I've said this before. We're not just uh, Christians who happen to, to, I mean, we're not just, you know, uh, a doctor or a lawyer or something like that who happens to be a Christian. We are Christians who 
happen to have a profession to be able to stay alive. Right? Our number one job, our number one priority is I'm a Christian and I need to try to make disciples of everybody else. I need to try to make Christians of everybody else. I just happen to be a police officer because that's what I have to do to stay alive. I just happen to be a, a an engineer because that's what I have to do to stay alive. I happen to be a, a, a construction worker. Whatever, fill in the blank. I happen to be that because I have to do it to stay alive, but I'm a Christian first and foremost. Amen. My job is not building houses or doing all those other things. My job is telling people about Jesus Christ. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. About as plain and clear as it can be. And there's a lot of ways you can do it. Use the phone. Send a text. I do that often because that's the way that people like to communicate nowadays. That's the way I like to communicate. You know, I don't have time to always to sit there and talk on the phone, but you send me a text, I give you an answer. Right? I'm in the middle of a lot of things. People are busy. That's the way that that's kind of the way the world is nowadays, right? Send somebody a text and say, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, why don't you come to church this Sunday? We're doing this. Hey, just wanted to give you an encouragement. I'm praying for you. Right? Those things for somebody who's not saved go a long way. Because they're battling inside. I need to know Jesus Christ my Savior. But, 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 I've got all this other stuff over here. You share that with somebody, and they might say, you know what? He's praying for me because I know that I need to be saved. You don't know how that's going to impact it, but when somebody calls you, it's the wrong number. Tell them about Christ. Miss Ali talks, tells me about that all the time. She has people call all the time in their car warranty. And she's like, hey, car warranty. Don't need a car warranty, but you need Jesus. Right? And it gives, it, gives a great opportunity to share the message of the gospel with them. Right? You can never share the gospel with the wrong person. You may have to be able to plant the seed. But a seed planted can be watered and it can grow. And it's a seed that's planted that can actually grow. If you don't plant the seed, nothing's ever going to come up. Put tracks in envelopes that you send out. You know, if you still send your bills, put tracks in it. A lot of people that still do that. A lot, of, a lot of these companies still send a bill every month, right? Send it back in there with a track in it. You can't get, get it in the wrong hands. The most listen they can do. Throw it away. They're not going to sue you for sending them a track. I mean, they're happy to get your money. That's a great opportunity. You know, put it in, in thank you cards or Christmas cards. Worst they can do is throw, is throw it away and then it's not Right? Person to person, when you check out at a grocery store, give that person a track. Go through the drive through at a, at, a, at, a, at a restaurant. Give them a track. Hey, you don't have time to sit there and give them the entire gospel. It's just not right. It's not fair for you to do that. They're working. To say, hey, let me give you something that'll tell you how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. There's a good chance to read that. For what? Five seconds? And you're giving somebody the gospel. They might throw it away. They might forget about it. They might leave it sitting somewhere where somebody else is going to come pick it up. You don't know how that's going to be used, but you know that it's never going to be used if you're not passing it out. That's right. You sit down in a restaurant, give the waitress a try. After you've given her a reason to tip. Right. Don't tip, bad service, here's a try. No, you give her a good tip. Let them know that you're a Christian. Let them be thankful that, man, I, I really like those people. They were really nice. Something different about them. Oh, hey, look at this. Oh, they're, they are Christians. Right? That's what I need. You don't know how God's going to use it, but you know that it's never going to be used if you're not doing it. Door to door, we do that so often. You know, you go to your street. Your street happens to be one of the ones that we come by later at the church and hit, and hey, they get to hear twice anyway. Most people probably are not even home the first time they went through there. It's your street, it's your mission field. God put you there for a reason. Tell those people about Jesus Christ. Invite them to church, but more importantly, invite them to know Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. 
You are the only light on that street, more than likely. There may be another Christian family or two, but on a street of 50 houses, that's not very much light. Your job is to be a candle and pass it on to the next candle that's not lit. Right? It'd be great to see a whole street up on fire because you pass the gospel to so many different people. It's a tremendous thing that would be. But most people don't get saved when they first time they hear the gospel. You gotta come back, you gotta give it to them again and again and again and again. They say in marketing, you have to touch somebody seven times for them to even recognize your brand, recognize your business, recognize what you're doing. You give somebody the gospel, they might be looking for answers right now and they might accept it. But more than likely, you're going to have to come back again. Text, call them, see them at the grocery store, see them here, see them there, invite them to church. You just don't know how God's going to use it. You don't know how they're going to respond. But you know that they're not going to respond if you don't give them something to respond to. Too many people remember the one person that shared the gospel five years ago. Well, that person didn't get saved, but I'll tell you what, I wish we were all going to salvation for that now. It's, it's on him. It was a great opportunity. That was probably that was probably four or five years ago. I guess when that was. That's not gonna. That's not going to bring revival to this nation. That's not going to bring this nation back to Jesus Christ. You're living on the witnessing that you did in the past. And you're helping to send this present generation to hell. Great least you're allowing them to go. We rely on our past. We're living on yesterday's blessings. Living on yesterday's prayers. Living on yesterday's witnessing, but also. Yesterday's tithe and offering, yesterday's giving. I know Brother John talked about this this morning in Sunday school because he gave it to me. I read through the lesson. I'm not going to, I'm not going to belabor the point, but is your giving relevant to us today? Right. It seems that, that a lot of Christians in America today are, are more willing to make a big deal about the cost of living adjustment for inflation, but they conveniently forget about it when it comes to giving to God. Right. You know, some people give like their salary is 50 cents an hour. Won't say a lot about that because I mentioned that Brother John did this morning. I, I'll say this again. I really don't have any idea what people in our church give. And I, I want it that way on purpose because I don't want to say, oh, I can't spend that. I'm not, I'm not here trying to offend you. But I don't want to have to say, wow, I better not say that because I know they're doing this. And if they get mad and leave, then we're going to lose this amount of money. God's going to take care of this church. Amen. God does not need your money. You need to give to God. Amen. But you can see those blessings come from that. Amen. What if God changed your income to match your giving? Would you be in the poorhouse tomorrow? Because God changed your income to match your giving? No, 10%. I heard somebody say one time, a pastor got up and he started talking about you know, he, he wasn't preaching a message on giving, but he brought it up and he said, Oh, an awful quiet in here. He said, I don't know what, why you're so nervous. I haven't even started talking about your money yet. Ten percent belongs to God. That's his money. Right? He said, I'm just talking about the tithe. I haven't even been talking about your money yet. And that's true. That automatically belongs to God. And yeah, we oh well, one for me, one for you, ten for me, one for you. That's how we give so often, right? But what if? What if God changed your income to match your giving? How would you fare? We ought to be generous with, with the things of God. But I can tell you this, God, God could do that in a heartbeat if, if he wanted to. It's of his mercies that he doesn't do that. Can't live on yesterday's giving. Also cannot live. Turn on Luke chapter 14 if you will on yesterday's plan. Yesterday's plan. Luke chapter 14 and verse 28 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he has sufficient
down and Romans make a plan. Bible is very clear about that. Hey, what kind of person doesn't sit down and make plans before he does something, right? So nothing wrong with making plans. God has a plan for our lives, and that's the plan that we have to be following. But the, the plan that God has for our lives may change over the course of time, right? God's plan from the beginning of your life may be different as you move on. He might call you to go somewhere else. He might call you to do something else. Turn over to Jeremiah 29. I use this verse often because this is this is obviously my favorite verses in the Bible. If I were to pick any passage that would meant the most to me, I've used this passage several times throughout my life to help me make sure that I'm doing what God wants me to do and, and, and following God's plan for my life. But Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 11, and, 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 and let's put this in context. A lot of people love to use these verses. Of course, they're not even they're not even using the uh, the right version of the Bible, so it says something completely different many times when they when they put it on a flash or something like that. But Jeremiah twenty nine is taken out of context very often. Oh God, God just wants you to prosper. That's all God wants. Yes, He does. But if you look at Jeremiah twenty nine, He was sending them into captivity. Right. He wasn't. That was not to them prospering. Right. It didn't look good. They were going into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. That's when God said, but I'm doing this. I'm allowing this to happen in your life, but know the thoughts that I think towards you, based upon verse 11. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me. See, and that's where they take it out of context. What a wonderful verse. God just wants to prosper you. God just wants your life to be good. God's got great plans for you. But Plans that he has for your life is to push you to him, drive you to him because of the things that are happening in your life. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. For a lot of years, I felt God was telling me to go to the mission field. And I think what it ended up being is that it was a more of a burden for the mission field than a call to it. And I told a lot of people. When I was in high school, and that's when I felt God calling me. When I was in high school, when I was, you know, into uh, college, after I got out of college and got married and became an assistant pastor, I told a lot of people that I was going to go to the mission field at some point. God was calling me to go to the mission field. That's great. But I started realizing that God was not necessarily calling me to the mission field. He wanted me to start a church. And if I had just said, no, I've told so many people I was going to be a missionary, and I'll look how foolish I would look if I had actually did go to the mission field. I'm going to the mission field. I'm going to do it. That's what I've been wanting to do my whole life. I'm going. I would have ruined a whole lot of things. I would have been out of God's will for my life. It wouldn't have been what he wanted for me. It wouldn't have been the plans that he has for my life. So, so many Christians have no plan at all. They just let the, they let the, the circumstances of the, of the day determine what they're going to do for the Lord. You ought to have plans for what you want to accomplish for the Lord. Your will and your plans ought to be so in tune with God's will and God's plan for your life that you know what he wants you to do. But he says in Romans chapter 12, verse number 1, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. Sometimes our plans fail, but that shouldn't keep us from making plans to serve God. Be living according to what happened yesterday. History is a good teacher, but don't be limited by history's failures. Don't be limited by history's successes. Learn from it. Learn what not to do. Learn what to do, and then make plans to serve God into your future. See, without a, without a goal, you're going to accomplish nothing. I want to read this much of the Word of God this year. 
lot of people read the entire word of God last week, right? I want to pray this much. I want to uh, I want to give out this many gospel tracts. I want to talk to this many people about Jesus Christ. I want to, to be on this level in my work with God. Whatever it happens to be, you need to have a plan. You need to set goals. Someone said, if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. He had a goal in mind. He had that mark that he was aiming towards, right? He had goals and things that he was trying to accomplish for Jesus Christ. But don't live on the plan. Find out what God wants you to do today. Set new goals, set new plans, and move toward those goals. Here's another one that we often make mistakes in living on yesterday's faith. Yesterday's faith prepared you for today. Today's faith is going to prepare you for tomorrow. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes not so much by surrender as much as it is by sacrifice in the word of God. Do we have to have surrender? That's how faith comes. But the word of God. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by the word of God. That's how it happens. Little faith grows into big faith. It's so sad to hear how somebody say that God used to use me doing this years ago. I used to do this for God. I used to do that for God. What we need is people with faith to believe that the same God who worked through them those years ago can do the same thing through them and even more through them today. The last thing is this. We rely on our past by living on yesterday's blessings, living on yesterday's prayers, living on yesterday's witnessing, living on yesterday's giving, living on yesterday's plans, living on yesterday's faith. And the last one, living on yesterday's works. Most Christians have done something for God was pleasing within ourselves. You felt good about it because you knew that God was pleasing. You had that experience where you felt like you were on the top of the mountain with God. Everything was right with Him. You knew everything was right with Him. You had the relationship with Him the way that you knew that you should, and all of those things. There was times that you won people to Jesus Christ. There was times when you were working for God and doing things for God. We have to be careful that we don't attempt to live on that one event. For that one thing that I did for God that one time, remember that? For that one ministry that I served God in for a while? Used to teach the Sunday school class. Used to go door to door and visit. Used to go to the nursing homes. Used to go out knocking on doors. Used to go uh, share the gospel. Used to be on a bus route. I don't do those things anymore. What happened? Did God disappear? Did God stop working? A lot of things that we would love to do as a church. Ministries we love to start. We're planning to start a, a bus ministry very soon. Love to get into some nursing homes and do some services in nursing homes. Those take people. Those take people that are willing to serve. And thank you all of us being willing to serve. You know that it's been said that that 95% of the work in the church is done by 5% of the people. I think that is a very different number here. I think we're more like 50% than 5. Great. But we have a lot of people that need to be involved and can be involved. That God wants to and can use. If we would say, God, use me however you want to use me. Yes, I used to do this for you. Yes, all those years ago I did that. But there's still a future that you have for me. And I want to accomplish everything that you want me to accomplish until I die. If you're not dead, then God still has a plan for your life. Amen. Unless some of you that are falling asleep are actually dying in here, then you're going to be alive when the service is over. And you can go out and do some things for God with your life. William Sidney Porter, better known by his pen name, O. Henry, wrote a lot of very interesting stories. He was the one that wrote um, 
But the gift of the madness. Remember that story? Other ones that he wrote that are very, very popular. But he became one of the most popular authors in America at the turn of the last century, coming into the 1900s. And he wrote for years, but his literary career actually really took a turn for the best. He actually wrote his best stuff and became the most popular when he was sitting in prison. He'd been convicted of embezzlement from a bank. And he worked in that bank in Texas, and there's, there's actually quite a bit of evidence that it was not actually theft. It was actually an error on his part. And they, you know, convicted, of him, convicted him of embezzlement. He was sentenced to five years in prison. And while he was sitting there in prison, he wrote and published some of his best-known stories and really just kind of cemented himself as one of the premier authors. There's books and books of old Henry's stories. And they're good. They're really good stories. But his, in, in his interactions with other people, old Henry... You know, they say that he had kind of the same wit that he that he you know displayed in a lot of the stories that he wrote. They said that the one time when he attempted to get a, a royalty check from the New York Publishers Clearinghouse without success. I mean, he tried to get this get paid, you owe me this money, and they, they just wouldn't give it to him. And so he went to the office to try to collect it in person, and he was told that the person who writes the check was not out because he had a broken ankle. No, Henry turned to that guy and he said, does he sign them with his feet? <laughs> See, when we're trying to avoid doing something that we don't want to do, we'll come up with any excuse when it's necessary. Right. And a lot of Christians have done exactly that. And most of those excuses are horrible excuses. But, well, I can't because, sounds like a good excuse to us, but, but if you were to actually say that to God, it really sounds awful foolish. Why did you, I had all these things that I laid out that I wanted you to accomplish. Well, you know, God, I, I knew what was going to happen to you. God knew what your physical condition was going to be. God knew what your financial situation was going to be. God knows all of those things. And yet he still has something that he wants us to accomplish. What are you doing for God today? Living on yesterday's bread. Didn't work for the Israelites. They tried to gather bread for a few days, and by the next day, that bread was spoiled. They needed to get new bread every single day. God wanted something. Better for them. They couldn't gather that bread for more than one day. It was spoiled and rot. And renewed every single day. And that's exactly the same thing that God wants for us today. We can't look back at these things that I've given us. God wants to give us new mercies, new blessings every morning. We can't look back at yesterday's prayers and yesterday's answers and think that we've done enough. We have to get a hold of heaven if we're going to see this nation brought back to God. We can't look back at yesterday's witnessing and, and rest on what we've done. There are literally hundreds of thousands of people in this area. There are just 1.2 million people in the metro Richmond area. In Michael County alone, there's over 350,000 people that live here. The vast majority of whom probably do not know Jesus Christ. What a tremendous opportunity. If we're living on what we did yesterday and try to bring the gospel to people, we're never going to see these stories. Can't look back at yesterday's giving and say, I'm giving enough. Can't look back at yesterday's plans and live on those. Make plans to serve God. Make plans to live right. Make plans to do the most that you can do for Him with the time that you have left. Can't look back at yesterday's faith and be satisfied with what we've accomplished when there's so much more that God wants you to do. Can't look back at yesterday's work and be satisfied with what we've done. There's so much more work that needs to be accomplished for the cross of Jesus. Don't live in the past. Don't be satisfied with spoiling distasteful bread from yesterday. God wants something so much better for you. 
Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the fact that you're willing to give us new mercy, new bread every single morning. God, we're looking to go forward for you this year. We're looking to accomplish much for you in our church and our personal lives. You want to do great things to us. I pray that you help us not to get to the point where we're resting on what we've already accomplished, what we've already done, what we need to do. That we'd be willing to move forward to you. Thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand at your seat, put your head bowed and your eyes closed. It'll be covered with invitation. It'll be covered with a lot of things this morning. You get a lot of topics. Perhaps one of them get home with you and you say, you know what? I'm not with this morning. I should. I'm living with what I did yesterday. Maybe you don't even have anything to go back to from yesterday. Maybe you've never been a witness to Christ. I was today. Maybe you've never really been involved in working in ministries. I was today. You start now. You can start now. You can't go back and change the past, but there's one thing that you can change, and that's your future. You put that future in the hands of a God who knows the future, and there's no telling what you could accomplish through that. But you've got to be open and willing to learn through. And we'll be willing to say, you know what? What I did yesterday was great. God wants to accomplish a lot more than me. As you've been on place, God's spoken your heart this morning, didn't he?